1: Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan, Brian Murphy, and Chris Jackson, gentlemen. It is Monday, and we are here to talk about some high school basketball playoffs. Um, boy, what a what an eventful first week it was for the uh, on the boys' side. I was looking over the brackets over the weekend just to see again, like what what remains there were from uh, from what those first two rounds did to our markets. Um, does anybody has there anybody here watched the HBO TV series The Leftovers? Yes. Okay. So that show. So you're familiar with the premise where, just out of the blue, 2% of the world's <laughs> population disappears. That formula was reversed, and I feel like 98% of the basketball teams that we cover got bounced within the first two rounds of the playoffs. Because we are left now, I believe, heading into the third round. We have Mesquite Horn. <laughs> Newman Smith. You just saw them. Mm-hmm. They're headed to the third round for, I believe, just the third time in their history. We got Salina, so Brian double dipping over here. Just all the traditional yeah. basketball powerhouses, am I right? And we have Argyle, so we have four teams remaining in our coverage area through the first two rounds of the playoffs. So, um, yes, let's um, talking about several teams that have had their runs come to an end and whatnot. So, um, yeah, let's um, let's talk, Chris. Let's talk about District Six Six A which had a, uh, a three to one start in the first round so a really really promising you know start to the playoffs but then as we kind of talked about in the playoff preview that once you get past that first round and start going up against the seven five seven six eight teams the eight six eight teams that it's going to be a little bit tougher and you get to see one of them the best team from 6 6 a Capel as they uh, they went headstrong into a, into a pretty stat walk of team
2: I'll see I've got two words for you region one. Yeah. I think that's all you really have to say because I think I mentioned it in this preview show last week when I talked to Adam Musa, just a week and a half ago was about if you can get past like a Waxahachie second mm-hmm. round, maybe you can make a run. Sure, you would have to play another top 25 team. But that's a big win. They make a to sure. the conference boost, but you have to play the number 11 team in the state. Round two, the first week of the postseason, with most regions, you're probably not mm-hmm. seeing that good of a team until fourth, fifth round, honestly. But it's just you're getting a lot of state-ranked yeah. matchups right now. You saw that the winner of that would have played – the number 16 or the number 18 team, but Capel had them too, honestly. They tie that game to 23 23, end of the first half. Waxadji goes on a 9 2 run. Capel can never quite recover from it. Waxadji eventually goes up 15. Capel makes a late run, but mm-hmm. it was just that run at the end of the first half that kind of. The skills of that game, and end the capel season.
1: You know, Capel is still in a pretty, pretty good spot though going oh, forward, are. despite losing a couple impactful I mean, seniors. They,
2: they lose Brandon Taylor, really tough kid. Honestly, I'd want about fifteen of those kids on my team. Yeah. The way really played Friday night it was really tough. Adam Lucy, lose him. He you was know, some of those all district kids that were first team, but their future is bright. Obviously, you get Ryan all back. Yeah, smoothest shot I've seen from a sophomore out there. He's yeah. definitely going to get some offers yeah. real soon. That's a D one prospect all for yeah. sure. Anthony Black, obviously a heck of an athlete, another all district kid this year as well. I'm getting one dunk I think everybody at the media table about fell off their chairs okay <laughs> so, I am going to do and I think it was pretty obvious why he's got offers mm-hmm. in multiple sports but you've got those two back they've got another sophomore actually coming up Devonk who's a really really good player he just didn't get as much I think at that time this year but Clint Snell, the head coach was really excited about him too so sure he was a big senior class this happened to them last year they lost a big mm-hmm. really talented senior class last year what happened they ended up winning the district going to the second round before he looks to Laxon Hatchery but and next year, they're going to have a new crop of kids coming through. They have a couple of freshmen they're excited about to bring up to the playoff roster this year, too. Yeah. So, Capel's got a good future for this program, especially when you're first here, the Midwest head coach, you two straight outright titles in that district. And you got a couple of some of that in the best sophomores they come up. You're you're going to be up there
1: for a while. It was a pretty strong start to the postseason for all of uh, all of sixxa. Um, you know, you had even the the only team that lost in the first round was Marcus, and they actually lost to Geyer by five. They mm-hmm. actually did quite well. They were able to make a late charge there and really kind of make Geyer sweat out those last couple minutes. <laughs> um, you know, they only allowed twelve points to big man Jacoby Cole's, one of the top players in the entire state. You know, so Marcus, even in defeat, you know, showed pretty well. I got to see Flower Mound in their in their by district game Tuesday against Keller. They made seventeen threes in that game. That is, I mean, Farmout is as good an outside shooting team as anyone that I've I've seen at the high school level. It's um, and they've got the perfect floor general and Jeffrey Mills to run the show. And you know, it's just anytime they would get on a fast break, you have Mills bringing the ball up, and then you have in one corner it's Jack Richter, the other corner you have Gavin Green, and like either option is going to be absolute death for the opposing defense. Um, they're just such a uh, such a lights out shooting team. I really like the playmaking from Robert Ciari, they six seven forward who's also a really capable three point shooter. He did a good job. Um, you know, kind of, and I mean, Keller threw a zone defense at a team that is, you know, one of the premier three-point shooting teams in the area. I mean, it felt like kind of from the get-go, you're asking for disaster. And, I mean, yeah, I think it was what five threes that Flymont hit in the first quarter. You know, Siri did a good job. You know, kind of like you know, they throw a skip pass to year, and then he kind of fakes a pass one way, gets the entire defense to kind of bend, and then he just cans a three of his own. It was uh, some really, really smooth playmaking on his part. They, um, they, were, it was very, very convincing. That's um, and it's just kind of the way that that program is operated. You know, head coach Eric Littleton afterwards said that, you know, you look over the years, it's never going to be a program that just like that, you know, overwhelms you with the eye test and whatnot. So, what his program has always kind of been founded on is that they basically are, they rely on high IQ players who can shoot. Like, they want to maximize those two traits of a basketball player. And um, you've seen what they've been able to do over the years, how consistent they've been. And this year's team was quality. Even in the second round, they lost to number nine ranked Grand Prairie. Um, a Grand Prairie team that only has, I believe, just two losses all season. This was a game the one right down to the wire. They gave Grand Prix a, really, a really spirited fight. Um, you know, so some good stuff for the Jaguars. Now, they do graduate a big senior class, so I'm curious to see how they reload, but their track record says this could still be pretty solid and whatnot. Um, you know, Louisville, you know, showed out well in their first round matchup. You know, they were able to get past Byron Nelson. Uh, the Keontae George show just continued on rolling, but um, the, uh, the totality of Duncanville, number one ranked Duncanville, just a little bit too much in the uh, in the second round. They lost that one by uh, by 13 points. Um, tough night on the glass for the far in, the, in that loss, but um, I believe Keontae finishes out the year with 30 plus points in his last four games. Um, you know he was, uh, you know, if you're just if you're one for uh, for recruiting sites, he was bumped up to number 12 in the nation um, for, um, I guess by uh, by two four seven sportscom the number one ranked sophomore in Texas, and um, he picked up a Kansas offer, So this things continuing to come up, come up, Keontae.
3: So our old Justin Thomas, he covered that game. He right? did. So, he, Justin
1: Thomas loves watching that Louisville team. He was,
3: he, he's been talking about Keontae George since, you know, before he even played. I mean, he was kind of here. like,
1: it was kind of like, it sounds like R.J. Hampton. You well, know, like the second you saw this kid as a freshman, you knew that, okay, this, this kid's going to be special.
3: We were, Me and Justin were texting, uh, I believe it was Saturday afternoon, and we were talking about Keontae and the playoffs mm-hmm. and what he thought of Keontae and Duncanville and, and whatnot. He was already saying Keontae is better than R.J. Hampton.
4: I don't think he saw R.J. play. <laughs> oh, it, no. with you, that's fighting
3: words. Uh, I, I, I almost told him, they, drop, drop it in, Justin. Send me your location.
4: I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't even bring up Tyrese Maxey around. Tear
0: yeah.
4: uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> tier, tier below, R.J. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, said so on the whole, it was a quality start to the postseason for six, six eight, but you know, it was just again, region one is about as low as it's ever been, and it was just bound to catch up with you eventually. Um, but then let's you look at uh, you know nine six eight versus ten six eight. We can talk about one of the uh, was you know, regardless of the round, one of the bigger upsets I'd hedge to say you know over the uh, over the course of the playoffs. Sexy. Yes, I. Well, the prosper. What happened? <laughs>
4: I don't know. I, 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 I believe you said uh, last week you said it would be a shocker, a shocker. And I wish I could watched it. A shocker if Prosper lost to sexy. Would you classify it as a shocker, though? I said it wouldn't be a shocker. It, yeah. it was certainly an upset. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not
3: taking right, at that. At least away.
0: I
4: didn't say it wasn't going to happen. Because
3: then <laughs> sure really <laughs> <So laughs> so I'm do going to
0: really... You're going to delete that <laughs>
3: pod from last week. I'm going to cancel it. Go to <laughs> it never happened. Change my name. And I and mean, that. granted, it was what seventy-seven, seventy-six.
4: And it went to overtime? Yeah, I mean, it was a one-point game. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but Saxe did what they needed to in terms of they stayed close at the mm-hmm. beginning. They didn't let Prosper ever get away from it. In fact, Saxe led for most of this game. And that's exactly what they needed to do. This is a Saxe team that had never won a playoff game in their history before going against a state-ranked opponent. And so, you know, talking with Coach Mike, you know, just they, they knew that that coming out and getting off to a strong start was important, you know, in terms of the game flow, but also in terms of confidence. And they were able to do that. They were able to hold on to the lead for much of the game. Um, and then, obviously, it's a one-point game, so it comes down to clutch moments And the despite their, you know, lack of history, so to speak, and in the playoffs was able to pull it out. It was a, it was a huge win for that program.
3: And that was a cool little celebration. That Was it on Twitter? Yeah. With, uh, with Mike still just getting drenched in water bottles in the locker room, you know. The first ever playoff win. It was Absolutely. pretty cool. Full disclosure, I don't have a dog in the fight, even though I went to Sax, Sach- Graduated from Saxe, like, what, 10 years ago already. And I uh, cover Prosper, so I, you know, I, I like seeing Prosper play. I like seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, succeed. But, I mean... It was cool seeing some Actually, soft spot yeah, for the lottery. yeah. Especially first ever play. You know, I used to be part of that basketball program for a few years. It's
4: it's it's cool to see how the you know how they've where they've gotten now. Yeah, keep in mind this team was two and twenty four two years ago. Jeez. I mean, I mean that they were bottom of the barrel, not just in that district but in this area. And that's so and, and they they turned things around. They dominate around every so other quick. sport.
0: And
3: then boys basketball always struggled. You know, from the last you know their first what 12, 15 years of existence. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool to see them you know finally getting that success.
1: Yeah. If um so if say, if Prosper if Sachs over Prosper was not your uh you know your biggest upset of the postseason so far. Maybe it was Waco Midway over Allen, which uh, yeah,
4: in the second year in a row, the right? Second,
1: yeah, the second round, got Allen again. Um, you know, you knew going in that Allen was going to have to slow down. One of the more like you know, high high volume duos, high high volume scoring duos in the uh, in the state. And uh, Midway's God's Gift, Ezedima and Anthony Scott, and those two combined for forty six points. Um, they didn't have a player that got over four points elsewhere Wait, on the team. His first name is God's Gift. God's Gift. It is There's no chance I just pronounced that last name correctly, but that's my best shot at it. That's up there with some of the cooler names we've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was. um, So, yeah, I mean, those two did their thing as they have kind of all season, it sounds like. Allen got some solid balance from Manny Obiseki, Tyland Elder, and Bryce Kennedy, but, you know, those three combined for just 40 points, you know, which is a little bit below par for what those three are capable of. You know, you can typically, especially in a game like this, you'd expect those two in the playoff, especially with playoff minutes, maybe get up in the kind of the 50 to 60 range with their combined output. Um, But, you know, Allen, they started off really, really strong. So, a team that's had some you know some hiccups in the first quarter throughout the season they were out to a 15-8 lead and then the second quarter is actually the one that got them they only scored six points and um, all of a sudden now this was um this was a game at half and you know then um, you know, the defense slipped a bit there in the fourth quarter you know Midway scored 22 points over the last eight minutes and yeah it's it's a little surprising this is the second straight year though that Allen has lost in the area round despite coming off some of the better regular season work in their history as I mentioned this is the first outright district championship since 1992 if you look at these last two seasons since winning a state championship Allen's lost a combined seven regular season games and they did not advance past the second round either year it's pretty pretty stunning so that's maybe that's just the the penance for winning state I guess but uh nevertheless though yes Allen just for the uh, for the second straight year already yeah despite uh, a top five ranking and all that one of the better teams in the entire state and they will have uh, the third round will start this week without them um Devin, you got to see a pretty fun game on Friday. It sounds like. What do you make of? I guess uh, one of the few teams that we have remaining, yeah. Horn, <laughs> onto the third round after a, a, a pretty wild game with a, with a young upstart McKinney team.
4: But we were guaranteed having one team market team go through with a you know, head-to-head matchup, but uh, you know it was a fun game. Yeah. Um, you know, I I said last week, you know, Horn is a dangerous team, and mm-hmm. that if they're clicking, if they're if they're playing well, they can beat anybody out there. Um, they rolled over Temple in their first round game, and then this game because McKinney was fun. You mentioned, you know, that McKinney team in a couple of years. I mean, in their core rotation, they have two freshmen and two sophomores. And Devin Vincent, that sophomore, mm-hmm. went nuts yeah. in the second half. He had 24 points in the game all after halftime. And um, this was a back-and-forth game. Horn kind of had him – kept him at arm's length. They had the lead for pretty much the entire game. And then McKinney made a late charge. Um, in fact, Devin Vincent had a four-point play where he shoots a corner, a corner three. It, it – I say corner three, it's off the backboard, off the rim, goes in, wow. and he's fouled, and it puts him up one. He makes the free throw to put him up one with 20, 20.1 That's seconds left. That's
1: a horse
4: shot right there. Yeah, yeah. It was in, you could just see that Horn people just like, seriously, we're going <laughs> to lose on this. <laughs> um, but, you know, Horn, to their credit, they were clutch the free throw line. They were five of six. They were really six of six in the final minute, and the, two of those were one-to-ones, and um, you know, to, the first two to protect their lead, and then after they went down, down, down by one on the four point play, uh, Bryson Smith, a sophomore, uh, made the first free throw to tie it. Um, actually made the second one, but got a little bit. Anxious because he thought it might be short, and he stepped with the line. It was a lane violation, so it wow. ended up going to overtime. But Horn comes right out in overtime. Devin Hancock hits a big three-pointer. Isaiah Chandler follows uh, with another big three-pointer to go up 68-62, to 62, and they were kind of able to weather the storm. Uh, it was kind of interesting, you know. It was, it was 70 to 67. Uh, McKinney had the ball, mm-hmm. and um, you know, do you foul there? There's 30 seconds left. If you're Horn, do you foul? And uh, I talked to Andre Waddy, the Horn head coach, he said, "Well, we didn't have any timeouts, so we really." couldn't discuss it. He said, I just trusted my team to do what they needed to do. They elected not to foul. McKinney actually got two looks, uh, three-pointers um, in those last three seconds, but Horn contested both of them, uh, did a good job. I mean, Lex, they, Horn defense was solid all along. McKinney was just making some tough shots uh, during that second half. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned McKinney's going to be strong that they got that core, the freshmen and sophomores, they're going to be good in a couple of years. But we're talking about this year. And so, <laughs> Horns uh, was the better team. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, you know, I mentioned Sachse making history. This is Horns' uh, second time ever making it to the regional quarterfinals joining that 2009 team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they could be, and we talked about it earlier, you know, they played, I think now 10 state-ranked teams. they played a ton in December. And it went 4-4 against eight state-ranked teams. So they can, they've proven they can compete at that level. Well, they're going to need to on Tuesday because now they got number three, Colleen Ellison, who rolled over Rockwell in the first round and then. Took care of Saxey and ended their run in the area finals, uh, seventy four to fifty one. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough challenge. But again, Horn has that kind of talent. Zakir Sawyer uh, is a D one kid. Devin Hancock. I um, mentioned Isaiah Chandler. Preston Amond who got hurt late in that game, but you know he had thirteen points and twelve rebounds, and he's kind of there. He, he can do a little bit of everything for them in terms of passing the ball, in terms of rebounding, uh, six seven kids. So they've got the pieces. It's just going to take their A plus effort on Tuesday against a very good.
1: Over in the Class Five A, Brian, we can talk a little bit of Frisco ISD. About as good a first round as you could have scripted. As, uh you know, I know Kendrick's not in the in the room right now, but you know, I know the back much what the what I proj- projected with 10, the back 5, and 8. forth that you two have over a nine five A versus ten five A. It's Not even a competition. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. Uh, Frisco ISD got the sweep over ten five A. The second time in the basketball postseason that the four seed from the Frisco district has knocked off the district champion from uh, from District Ten Five A. Frisco was able to overtake Princeton. Um, And then you had, uh, let's see, where else did you have? Um, You you had Wakeland Advanced. They beat Wiley East.
3: Uh, Centennial beat Lovejoy. They beat McKinney North. They beat McKinney North. Uh, Independence beat Lovejoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First time ever that four Frisco ISD boys teams advanced to the second round. Uh, uh, the second, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: moving on to yeah. four, <laughs>
3: eh? Uh. <laughs> so it's a sliding course. <laughs> <laughs> Was, yeah, um, um, the second round wasn't as generous to Frisco ISD as it's 11 5A showing up. So a bit. We, we thought maybe, okay, Newman Smith is so good because 11 5A may be a little weaker. But no, man, Highland Park, they edge Frisco by two. Woodrow Wilson, they beat the district champion of Wakeland uh, by double digits. And so they're the three seed. Yeah. And they're also, they're headed to um the third round out of 11 5A. But Newman Smith, man, I saw them play Friday night at Richardson against Centennial. And holy cow! Well, Centennial was hanging with them mm-hmm. for the first two and a half quarters, and I even talked to Glenn Gunn, our, our our world famous photographer, at halftime, and you know we were talking about how you know Centennial, you know, we didn't think that maybe they could you know give them this good of a game, you know, just given how good Nimitz Smith is, and. We, we both predicted, you know, the second half would be a different story, especially fourth quarter when, you know, that's why they played two halves. That's why they play the fourth quarter when these teams that have that athleticism like Newman Smith, that size and and skill, they, they wear teams down, and that's exactly what they did. Um, outscored them 20-12 to 12 in that fourth quarter. My guy, Tebow. Tebow, I, I, I think his, name, his last name is Tagnon or I don't know, if G-Silent or, or what have you. He comes off the bench, point guard. He hit five threes in this game. You know, he was just – in the passing lanes, just getting layups, finished with a game-high 23 points off the bench. Mm-hmm. He hit one three from the corner late. That kind of really put it back to about 20-digit. 20, 20. The final score was 71-54. Uh, it was close the first half. Uh, second half, like I said, they pulled away, and then when they really started pulling away, he hit a corner three. And when he, he hit it, he was already kind of turning around like Steph Curry uh, does when he knows his shots are going in. And went in, he turned around right in front of the Newman-Smith side. I, I was sitting on the Newman-Smith side. Uh, because I like sitting on the front row, opposite of the scores table, so I just happen to be the Newman Smith side. Sorry, First go Centennial. Uh, and he turns and, around, and he just, just <laughs> and he just like he just like, let's go. And the whole Newman Smith side is just going nuts. You could tell their, you know, their whole the whole school was there for that game. Because you know, Newman Smith, they're not actually good in, in a lot of sports, especially football and stuff like that. So to see them as dominant as they are, what twenty nine and oh now yes. undefeated, they take on Kimball.
1: Yeah, let's uh, talk a little bit about that man. one. Now Things are about to ramp up. But first off, like fair play to Newman Smith because I believe, at least dating back to the early 90s, this is just the third time ever that Newman Smith mm-hmm. has been in the regional quarterfinal round of the postseason. And over that same span, never been to the regional tournaments. So they have a the chance for a little bit of history on Tuesday. This is for head coach you know, Percy, Percy jo- yeah, Johnson. Johnson. Johnson yeah. He was an awesome interview, by the, mm-hmm. by the way. That
3: was one of my first time meeting him. I've heard two. great things about him. Yeah, he's awesome. But yeah, they take on Kimball. They're ring number eight yeah. uh, right now, and they just. Mollywopped Independence mm-hmm. uh, in that first round. They had a dude drop 36 uh, in that game. So yeah, it's it, that's going to be fun. I, I wait, You're going to be at that game. Right? I am. Yes. Well, as far
1: as the dude that dropped 36, that would be Arterio Morris, who is um, yeah, he's. You know, we talked about Keontae George being the best sophomore in Texas. Arterio Morris is ranked number three. That's two by two four seven sports. Should be a
3: name like should keep it on. There, there. I saw a highlight video. Obviously, I wasn't at that game against Independence. Uh, but I saw a, highlight, you know, a few highlights on Twitter. I believe he's number three, and he was just shake and bake, pull up. Shake and bake, drive to the lane. Shake and bake, step back, and
1: no one could guard him uh, from Independence. I mean, yeah, he scores 36 against Independence. He's routinely been in that 20-plus points per game plateau um, all season long. He's got a Kansas offer, so I mean, that's, that's the yeah. kind of prospect that he's being thought of as. And, um, yeah, it's not even just him, but you look around their roster, and they've got six guys that are at least six foot four. 6'4". I mean, they've got some size Yikes. that's working in their favor as well, and that's a program with a lot of pedigree too. They used to be an absolute force at the 4A, 3A level. Once upon a time. Um, so yes, that is up. What's uh, what's up next? For Newman Smith, who's twenty nine, and they're looking to keep this undefeated train rolling. But we're about to step into the deep end because yeah, we're now at the junction. This is hands down, I think, their biggest test of the season. You know, and if you get past there, then again, you've made your history. You've got to the regional tournament, and you know, you'll see if you can, you know, try to maybe, maybe see if somebody can sneak up on Lancaster and whatnot. But uh, but either way, it's a uh, it's about to get real for Newman Smith starting on Tuesday. That game is at Neiman Forest, I believe, Tuesday, 7:30. Um, number six versus number eight in the state, so. But, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've not seen Newman Smith in person yet this season, and just based on your uh, your review, I'm uh, I'm anxious to see, especially going up against such a high level prospect like Terry Morris. Yeah,
3: they passed the eye test even just walking out on the court mm-hmm. and the layup drills and the dunk, you know, throwing down dunks and just getting ready for tip off. They they definitely uh, passed the eye test. It's crazy that their best player, uh, Jaron Cook, he's their only guy that's you know signed to go play college next mm-hmm. year. He had four points against Centennial. <laughs> that's it. And the rest of the team. It just is, speaks to just the
1: depth, yeah, and just the yeah. volume of options. And that is one yeah. of the calling cards of this team is that, you know, with with Jaron Cook, you know that he can get you 20 to 25 a night, but the fact that they have a guy like Tebow who yeah. can step up and be called upon, that's very reassuring heading into such a such a big game. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about um, what I had Cook in on Saturday because I got to go out to – to see the, uh, the end of the TAPS State Boys Basketball Tournament to cover Frisco Legacy Christian and John Paul II, both of whom return home with state championships in two very, very exciting games. Um, you know, let's talk about John Paul. This is um, you know, a team that we've talked about a bit on the podcast, and one of the, uh, a team that is in the midst, or I guess it's now just polished off, I should say, one of the all-time great seasons in TAPS basketball. They finished the season 40-1 and overall, and they finish on a 33-game winning streak. Um, it did not come easy, though, in the postseason. They got a little bit of resistance. You know, Bishop Lynch, you know, a team that they were playing for the third time. They met them in the state quarterfinals, and they, uh, they got a little bit of pushback from the Friars there. They ended up winning that game by, I believe, just four points. Um, you know, and then Midland Christian, another highly ranked private school team. They gave them a good game in the semis. And then they were going up against the defending state champion um, Antonio Apaches. Um, and this was a game that it looked like for a while that John Paul was, even though you know Antonian's defense did a really good job, kind of limiting the transition opportunities that John Paul's kind of feasted on this season. You know, this was still a game that was about you know eight to twelve points for most of the way. You still, you never really felt like John Paul was ever in trouble. Um, you know, they did a really, I mean, Jalen Tyson. You know, their leading sword just came out guns blazing and just pull up threes that he was making over a, over, a, over good contests and whatnot. And I mean, they uh, they looked really really sharp out of the uh, out the but then in the fourth quarter, here comes antonian They make this big, this big old charge, and they're able to close this game down to a one-point game after this this wild and one finish by um, by who was their leading scorer, uh, Brian Armstrong. I believe I remember him from their uh, their football team as well. But um, you know, this was I mean, first off, the gym at West High School was I mean was rocking. I mean, both teams had just outstanding turnouts. Their student sections were going crazy. There was a uh, yeah, both games had a lot of energy to them, but um, you know, Antonian's just going wild. as all of a sudden here they are, and you're just—I'm sitting there thinking, like, is this man? Is this really how it's going to end? Is—is is John Paul about to let this one get away? With I mean, because Antonian—that's you know, you hear the uh, you know, kind of the cliche, the heart of a champion and whatnot, but just the, the resilience of that team to just to keep pushing and they got a really, really crafty backcourt and whatnot, and they um I mean, they did such a good job of really uh, kind of grinding it out. It's a very physical ball game and I mean the, the refs kind of called it as such. This John Paul was um they were in double they were in the double bonus by the start of the fourth quarter. I'm sure you would have loved to watch a game like that <you>? Um, so yeah, but John Paul, you know, despite the uh, you know despite that late charge by uh, by Antonian, you know Nate Dominic, you know he's, uh, he's kind of been their glue guy all season. He comes through with um, you know, some pretty massive sequences. You know, there, um, you know John Paul gets back up by three, and then um, the Antonian point guard, uh, Gavino Ramos, he isolates on uh, Nate Dominic, tries to pull up three. to Dominic can test perfectly. Um, he causes a miss there, and then the next trip down, he draws a charge on Ramos as well to get the ball back to John Paul. And then you know John Paul had a bit of a it was a bit of an from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, had a little bit of a little bit of a tough time putting that one away. But um, Dominic went to the line with 12 seconds left and knocked down two free throws to give them a 51 to 46 lead, which they were able to nurse to the uh, to the finish line. They end up winning that game, I believe, 51 to 48. Um, so yeah, I mean, heck of a heck of a year. First ever state championship for John Paul, and what was again, like I said, one of the all-time great half basketball seasons to go 40 and one with the margin of victory. The um, you know the teams that they played in the preseason, the public schools that they beat. You know, we talked about what a great team Flower Mound was a ways back. Um, you know, they, uh, I mean, they beat them. The uh, the thing about teams like that is when things are when things come so natural to you, things come so easy. Like, how do you respond though when you do get cracked in the mouth a bit and meet a little bit of adversity? And head coach Dan Lee was sure to bring up afterwards that they played ten games all season that were decided by five points or less, and they were nine and one in those games. The only loss coming to Frisco Memorial in the non district schedule. Um, and yes, yeah, so that team did have that sort of that. Uh, that crunch time medal to uh, to at least tough out those uh, those close games. And they needed it in the playoffs because they, um, you know, they got they met plenty of resistance from the rest of, uh, of TAPs. And then you look at first-go-legacy Christian, which entered their game against Westbury Christian as the defending state champions over in 5A. Um, they were not the top-ranked team in the matchup, though, because that belonged to Westbury Christian, one of the more credentialed 5A programs in the entire state. I believe uh, Westbury is going for their 22nd state championship. Um, this was a really, really good game. Just pound for pound, one of the more exciting basketball games I've covered in some time. Just the, the tactical ins and outs of how uh, you know a team that had so much athleticism in Westbury, and how you know uh, Legacy could figure out ways to just kind of exploit that and just kind of get them off balance. Basically, in the first half, what they did is they um, they basically ran like a, just a five out, just a they just spread out um, you know Westbury and then just kept moving the ball around, trying to find attacking lanes, and then they would get into the paint and then kick it over to uh, you know their leading score, John and Alexandre who was just camped out in the corner as a spot up shooter and he was lethal in that uh, in that role he uh, despite having a bit of a rough shooting in their game the night before he knocked down five threes in the first half at 17 points he finished the game with 25 um, and then I mean the uh, you know the fourth quarter was a bit of a free throw fest as well um, this was uh... heaven's favorite <laughs> <laughs> but how's this though <clears throat> have you guys ever heard of a stat like this Preschool Legacy Christian finished the game on a a pretty rough night from the line. Thirteen of twenty-seven, all twenty-seven free throws came in the fourth quarter.
4: Wow! They had not attempted—they had not attempted a single free throw. Brutal. How long did that quarter last?
3: (laughs)
1: Forever, okay. she <laughs> said it was a great game, it, but it really was. <laughs> I, I never felt like in the moment like it was really bogged down by that. Despite that high volume of free throws, which I know sounds insane as I'm saying it out loud, but um, no, this was a really, really you know, entertaining. Just because of again, like talk about the tacks, ins and outs. Like you know, Legacy Christian had such a tough time scoring the ball inside because Javier Francis, the uh, the Westbury big man, is just an absolute nightmare protecting the rim. I want to say he had five or six blocks, and. I want to say he only had one or two fouls to start the fourth quarter... And then they were able to kind of get him out of the paint and make him have to kind of move around a little bit and make him have have to make blocks that aren't normally natural for uh, for a rim protector, and he ends fouling out of the game with about three and a half minutes left.
3: So that explains why Alessandre was sitting in the
1: corner for a lot of the game because Westbury had this he shot watch. yeah, to try to draw the, the big man sense. out. So yeah. Um, so yeah, they realized. I mean, that was I mean that was a game changer for Legacy just because it, I mean it opened up so much as far as just the kinds of offense that you can generate. You don't have to worry about you know a, a six six fortress. Out there, just you know, to, you know, to reject your shot. And they're um, you know, they're able to get some clutch plays late from Garrett Pelham, you know, their star point guard. Their best um, their best clutch asset came because they had again, like I said, 13 to 27. So a bit of a rocky game from the free throw line. They actually did though, late in the game rebound two of those misses to help run some more clock and help kind of extend the game and keep the ball away from Westbury. Um, you know, Ryan Clink, Jonathan Mosey were the two players that came down with those clutch rebounds. And yeah, I mean, they go back to back. Just an, an impressive. Impressive run for a first-class Legacy Christian, a team that you know, if you're just going to stack up just the history of one program versus the other, that's no. you know, a mismatch. But man, Legacy Christian has really, really come on, and they're uh, they're the uh, they're the team to beat right now at Taps 5A. So very, very cool stuff on uh, on Saturday out in the West. Uh, let's see, was there anything else you guys wanted to add? We uh, kick it over to talk some uh, some state girls basketball tournament.
4: Uh we touched on Horn and Saxe. I didn't have a lot more to talk about. For my my day. <laughs> we to can look, just so. go on to the second half.
1: I wanted to at least open the floor up to you guys. I mean, did second. you you have Salina? Well, Salina time.
3: plays Carter. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesday at Louisville, seven thirty. I mean, Salina's already in the midst of <laughs> what a confidence you're showing. Uh, Carter's the number two ranked team in the in the state. They're a traditional powerhouse, obviously. Uh, Salina's been rolling. I mean, I've mentioned third straight district title. They're in the midst of one of their best seasons ever on the basketball court. If they beat Carter, though, that, yeah, they, I mean, that's got to be the biggest win ever in their history if they beat Carter. I mean, granted, Salina history goes way back, but I, it, I'll be there. Um, and I was also there <clears throat> last year in the first round against Lincoln when it was the one versus four that I've talked about many times, and that game was not pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salina is better than they were. A year ago from that team, but also Carter might be a better team than that Lincoln team they faced last oh, yeah. year. It'll be interesting. It'll be Carson Stassney's very last game. How I mean, does he need to the score? They're going to need a big night from him. They're going to he's, he's going to need at least twenty five.
4: are going to need. <laughs> he <could> go wilt. <laughs> hold
3: up the side one hundred and one, <laughs> and they still lose. <laughs> they, yeah, they're going to they're going to need a bunch of guys step up, and not just Carson. but They're going to need the perfect game. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, it's. Somewhat close.
1: Maybe a performance akin to what Argyles Riley McKinney had
4: in their regional tournament. What's she had, thirty-three points.
3: Maybe it was the first twenty-six points 20. in the
1: regional final.
4: Carson Stad. Didn't she score thirty-two in the semi team? Thirty-three. I think. And I think they only scored like forty-two yeah, yeah. as a team. <laughs> yeah, they need something like that. Yeah. And Speaking
1: of which, that's uh, yeah, that is one of the teams that we can get to on the other half of the podcast as we preview the state girls basketball tournament. We got Argyle, Frisco, Liberty, and McKinney, McKinney going to state, and yes, we will get to that and more in a uh, in a quick word on the other side of this quick break. And we are back. We have Brian Murphy and Kendrick Johnson to tag along as we talk about the high school girls basketball state tournament. The final four has been set. And, um, yeah, we know who's going to be in action later on this week down at the Alamo Dome out in San Antonio. Um, at least from our coverage area, we got three teams. We have Argyle. What a surprise. Argyle's back. Seventh consecutive year for Argyle. They're going for their sixth consecutive state championship. That dream is very much still alive. Um, let's see. They will be obviously in action over in 4 And we got Frisco Liberty. Brian, returning to the state tournament over in 5A. And then let's talk about this one first, man, because I wonder what the, uh, you know, you're a, you're a gambling man. Kendrick, I wonder what, what kind of odds you could have got at the start of the postseason that we would have McKinney representing Region 2 6A, making their first state tournament appearance in over two decades. Probably like one 1 in 300. <laughs> but guess what? It's that one. They're there. Yep. Props to them. They're there. No one can take that away from them. So yes, Kendrick, you were um, you know, you were there. You got to see the uh, the Region Two Six Eight tournament out in Dallas over the weekend, where um, you know, whether it's just the the age old adage of uh, it's tough to beat a team three times in a row or whatnot, but um, you know, despite Plano Senior getting the best of McKinney two times during the regular season, the Lionettes won the one that counted, and that was what they had with the trip to state on the line. It sounds like it was a.
5: A pretty tough game to watch, all things considered. It's like a yes and no. Both teams are very good, very well coached, both teams. Pops out to Coach Deb Harris. She coached her tail off. That lady mixed up zones. She had half-court traps. Mm -hmm. She hauled off and they went full-court press, and they're not a pressing team. They did everything they had to do to find a way to disrupt Uh, Plano's rhythm, and the key to me that people are not really talking about is when Maggie Robbins, um, Plano's key senior guard, went out with 321 in the first quarter Mm -hmm. with three fouls. Plano had nobody initiate the offense, and that kind of hurt them. And then Mm -hmm. they went 10 for 55, and 0 for 14 behind the three point line. That'll get you beat every day of the week. You can't win a, uh, a YMCA game shoot like
1: that. That number floors me because it's um you know I think back to when we were previewing the playoffs and that's you know if you look at Allen, not Allen, but um but Plano's last loss to Allen, it um it was very similar in the sense that like if there's one bugaboo about this team, as, as great as they can be on defense and as smart a team as that is, um, they will have those moments where like just they're not a they're not a dynamic shooting team. They're capable certainly. I mean you saw that against their uh, their regional semifinal against Vista Ridge. They were able to let it fly from deep, and they were able to knock down a few and whatnot, but, you know, you'll You'll kind of live with those shots, though, if you're, if you're an opponent versus them getting inside and really showcasing their length and their size. Um, you know, so that's where I, uh, you know, I kind of look back and wonder, like, you know, not to do the uh, kind of the sports guy talking head thing of, like, so did, uh, you know, was this more uh, McKinney's defense or did Plano just have one of those, just one of those games? Because, I mean, no matter how good you are, I mean, 10 for 55 in a regional final is pretty stunning.
5: It was McKinney's defense and the fact that um, they, they're familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. I also put money on if either team faces somebody in that region besides each other, they win by double figures. Yeah. Both teams are playing at a high level, but they, that being familiar, and the, the refs, they usually don't do a good job, in my opinion, did a good job they let it get physical. Okay. It, was like, it was a big wrestling match.
1: Because, yeah, you saw that in the regional semifinals. Once again, for the second straight year, it was uh, it was District 9-6-A um, against District 13-6-A. You had Vista Ridge and Hendrickson uh, back in their regional tournament for the second straight year. You had two completely different teams, though, from 9-6-A. Same results. Whereas last year, yeah, it was Allen and Prosper last year. Those two teams wound up playing each other in the regional finals. And then this year, Clinton and McKinney. So really just uh, just kind of showcasing the depth of that district. That you, just, you wonder like you know what McKinney because like McKinney on paper you look at all oh, they're a third place team and whatnot. And that's, you know, that's their seat entering the postseason. But McKinney was, you know, obviously, you know, they battled some injuries throughout the season, but when healthy, like they beat Plano weeks they beat Allen. They showed they can at least hang with Plano. It's not like they just got run off the floor by yeah. him in the regular season. You know, you wonder if maybe the uh you know the narrative on McKinney is a little bit different if they are in any
5: other district. But Yeah that but uh a key thing besides uh, coach Harris making like where was she doing she need to keep doing like where was she punching? It's turning into gold. But they they find a different hero every night. Like, starting the title league game, Taylor Jackson hit nine three-pointers, score record. I've seen the girl play for the last two years. I think I've seen her, like, four or five threes. Hit nine in a game. And then um, against uh, Harker Heights, star guard Erin Fry, she scored or assisted the last 16 points of the game, closed them out. Against Hendrickson, Trinity White, she has been struggling with her shot. Said to, not today. Came out here four threes as you saw mm-hmm. and set the tone for them. So it's a different, a different hero every game, and that's how they're getting it done. And these girls are playing confidence down to 15. Mm-hmm. So they're like they're playing the number one team in the state. They got a tough road with Houston Cypress Quick. I did a little research. They've won 14 games by over 40 points. Mm-hmm. But these girls from McKinney don't care. They're not scared of nobody. So right there, the fear factor is half the battle. We'll see what happens on on uh, Friday, but they won't be scared. They won't be back down, and they they feel they should they supposed to be there because they did earn their way and they beat teams that I would say since the since the um, Tyler Lee game nobody's been picking them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Um, Tyler Lee game was a pickle. People didn't think they were going to be I, I think I think I, I definitely I, I think, didn't think they were going to be Henderson or Plano. I think after they, I think after the Harker Heights
1: game, though, you meant it was finally time to start taking them a little bit seriously because you know you saw like they were able to get by Lakeview Centennial in the first round. You not an overwhelming win. Four, 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 four. win, yeah, not an overwhelming win. But when you knock off, I mean, I got to see that uh, Harker Heights team against Plano East. I mean, so I got, I mean, they're they're talent. I mean, that's a very very talented team. Some very yeah, guys, got some shooters, some shoes. guards. Yeah, <laughs> their guards are their guards can get buckets. Um, so yeah, when you knocked off that team though, I think that um, you know, you started to take them a bit more seriously. And then when you look at kind of, again, how this district fared, um, you know, under these similar circumstances last season against thirteen six a the fact that you had 9-6A once again kind of assert itself, you know, didn't really shock me in that sense. Um, and then, yeah, when you, when you get in the regional final, like, uh, you know, would, would common knowledge, you know, suggest that Plano probably wins that game? You know, yeah, probably just because of, again, the, you know, the talent edge and just, you know, they beat him twice in the regular season and whatnot. Um, and, you know, whereas, you know, both teams are, you know, both teams are strong on defense, but Plano probably maybe gets a slight edge in that capacity but it took a game from Plano that was probably a bit of an aberration in some respects I mean you shoot 10 to 55 like that's just like that just isn't common for any team but that's the fact is like that's just what it took though and McKinney you know fair play to them for playing the defense and you know forcing Plano into the types of shots that they're you know that's certainly not their bread and butter and yeah you saw what it means in the end is uh, you know certainly McKinney's not it's not a fluke that McKinney's here after that yeah. third round though I think it was time to start it the seriously <laughs> um, as far as though what it means now later on this week it is it is crazy because
5: you look at this, you look at the field in this state tournament and... It's insane. They got the number one team in the state. They got the last two, three state champions because Duncanville went back-to-back. No, Plano, then, Plano got Plano a two years ago. So, then so Duncanville. It's bottom line is so it's Duncanville, though. You know, Duncanville's one. And, and it's just as the state champions, nobody talking about Yeah. That. So on the one
1: hand, yes, you have the team that McKinney has up next, Houston Cypress Creek, who if you've not had a chance to look at their record, 30, yeah, it's a pretty a pretty solid record, undefeated at this point in the season. Um, uh, and that, that was a team that is making their second state <coughs> in three years. They were there uh, two years ago. That was the team that Plano, ironically enough, beat in the semifinals Uh-oh. on the way to their first ever state championship. Um, you know, you have Converse Judson, who you know is the defending state champion. Yeah, now they're talking, talking about still. that. They lost a little bit of, little of the firepower from last season's uh, title team. You know, they only come into the postseason, I think, ranked like number nineteen or something. They were just barely inside the uh, inside the top twenty, but they do have that pedigree on their side. You know, having been to state the last several years. And of course, then you have Duncanville, who's kind of the, the standard bearer for Texas high school girls basketball. They're back. They're uh, you know ranked number one in the state by the TAB. D. C. Oh yeah, um, so, so, so they're, they're over uh, Cypress Creek. Yeah, Cypress Creek's number three, I believe. I um, mean, you know, and, and Duncanville, just survived just one of the one of the most yes. brutal regional schedules that you can play. Um, you know, so who knows? I mean, yeah, McKinney's yeah. going to be the underdog on paper for sure, but it's and, it's it's a position that they're obviously not. You know, and they got a the, straight the right guard Saint Deidre Kelly. Yeah,
5: yeah Deidre Kelly. Uh, they played they played earlier this year. I just looked at the box score. Duncanville beat McKinney by forty-two, and Deidre Kelly had forty-six. So <laughs> like, this girl's gonna be playing. i playing you know, the NBA. though but special. But
1: the, but the reality stands, though. This McKinney team is certainly playing with a bit this more confidence. The and I guarantee that's gonna happen.
5: A better sense of identity than they were earlier in the season. Like I said confidence is confidence and fear factor. They're not scared, mm-hmm. and their confidence is high. So you can do things that people don't think you can do. I think, like I said, I'm expecting a more competitive game that people that people want to lead on. They have shot people to get this far, mm-hmm. and and games like this. I learned this from the point situation last year. When teams are not supposed to, quote unquote, be there, when they're hanging with that team that's supposed to win, that pressure came on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Cy Creek last year, I know we're talking about baseball, one of the best fulfilling teams I've ever seen, made two errors in one inning because they knew that pressure had melted. Mm-hmm. So if McKinney could keep it close, who's to say Cypress Creek undefeated for you know all that pressure don't come mm-hmm.
1: Uh One day beforehand, though, is when they started the 5A. State semifinals begins. And Brian, got a uh, a familiar face back there over in your puzzle Despite the uh you know the uh the puzzle pieces are a little bit different this year. They lost a lot of a lot of talent from that team last they season. They graduated
3: but, eleven players from the team that went to state last year. In a back. And didn't, back.
1: didn't have a, I guess, a, a ton of fanfare entering the postseason, would you say? Or I mean, no, was the no? But nevertheless, though, yes, they survived I and mean, they beat. They've beaten quality teams. so It's not like the bracket just happened to break their way or anything. But um, it certainly didn't come without a uh, without a bit of a bit of a bit of a um, bit of a wrencher, I should say, on a, on Saturday in that regional final against uh, a Panathena yeah. and just triple overtime. You know, they were they were down pretty
3: much that entire mm-hmm. game, and which is. You know, interesting to see because usually Liberty, you know, they grind out games. They're very defensive. They, they rely on, on their defense. You know, Jazzy Owens-Barnett does a lot of their, the bulk of their scoring on offense, and then they, they suffocate you defensively. You know, there's a lot of, you know, 40 to 28, mm-hmm. 35 to 30 type games. Like, you're not going to see Liberty get up in the 60s and 70s uh, on a regular basis, and we've seen that in the playoffs so far. Um, but they were off to a slow start. Saturday afternoon against Midlothian, a team that I thought was not in the same stratosphere as Liberty, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, Liberty had just beaten Red Oak, the number three team in the state, yep. you know, the day before. Jazzy Owens-Barnett scores 26, um, 26 of Liberty's 42 points to beat uh, Red Oak, and then they just came out real sluggish. It was that classic, you know, day after, you know, the, the afternoon after a big night game against the number three team, and then, you know, play Midlothian, start up slow. They scored two points in the first quarter. Um, and like I said, they're down from they, they take the lead early in the second quarter. and Then from that point on, they're they're down by four to eight points the entire way. And then they just kept just kept inching away, inching away, grinding it out. Um, and they get a four zero run, <laughs> a four zero run in this game was massive because <laughs> just given the circumstances, oh, yeah, because there was a sideline play it, it really was. It, the reason why the score was so high at 48-43 is because it went to three overtimes. The end of regulation was thirty to thirty. If, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if, you, if that tells you how mean, you know how, how the game was going, um, but they you know Jazzy Owens Barnett you know closes it out. Um, it, it, it was a it was a weird, grinded out game, but they, they've been in that situation before. You know, it's their third time now heading to state since 2016. Um, they've been to the playoffs. They made deep playoff runs every season in the last decade. Um, they graduated their entire starting roster. You know, even after they beat South Oak Cliff in round two, uh, the Liberty coach said, like yeah, or Ross Reedy said, yeah, i mean, I'm going in. I thought maybe we we're the fifth best team, you know, in the district. I don't know how much of that he means, but maybe downplaying it a bit. or A little bit. But, man, the, the job that he's done and the job that, you know, the, the role players on this team are, are you know, have bought in completely. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, Lily, I, her last name is, Wild Zinkowitz something, but she she's <laughs> one of the best shooters uh, I, I've seen. You know, she hit three threes mm-hmm. against Midlothian. Coach Reedy told me after um, they beat South Oak Cliff, you know, anytime she's shooting the ball, he thinks it's going in. He, he says sometimes in practice she does not miss. Uh, Maya Jane has been big. Um, yeah. Even Kyla Crawford, the volleyball star, she's you know 6'2", comes in there. She had a couple big buckets against Midlothian. Not really a basketball player. Volleyball's her main sport. She come in, comes in off the bench. But Jazzy Owens-Barnett has been running this team. She's averaging over 20 points per game in this playoff run, mm-hmm. well above her average from the regular season. She's really elevated her play. Like I said, 26 uh, against Red Oak. They entered the playoffs as the number 25 ranked team in the state. Yeah, that's some disrespect. <laughs> right there. you Not That's yeah. disrespect. No. Knocking them off. Yeah, and so now they play College Station on Thursday. College Station, they're ranked 23rd. It is. It is station. weird
1: because I was just looking over the uh, over the brackets to see like it's relative to the rankings. And granted, it's just rankings. So again, ultimately, you know, who cares? You made it to state. But it is kind of ironic because so the UIL basically just seeds them based on their records. Yeah, so you was, have an instance where you have. No Number twenty-three versus number twenty-five in one semifinal, and then in the other, you have number five versus number six yeah, I mean, in a Veterans Memorial yeah. in Mansfield, Timberview. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> some of these rankings are right. You know, Amarillo number one. I wouldn't disagree with that. Which, of no yeah, Amarillo
3: got knocked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, that, but that through the regular season, yeah, yeah. they're the number one team. But some of these mm-hmm. other rankings, like no offense, Kendrick McKinney North. You know, they're ranked number twenty-two. Do I think McKinney North is a better team than Frisco Liberty? Not a chance. Yeah, but I, I, them it, next
5: year. Next year,
3: maybe. <laughs> but I saw them play against Lone Star in the first round, and Lone Star, you know, beat them pretty good. The so IRLs like,
1: they were getting off camera at that remark.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: it's just I, some of these rankings, yeah. but I, I don't want to get too much into those rankings. Yeah. But the fact that they're ranked 25th, and, you know, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, you look at that roster, that starting lineup, there's two players that are on the roster right now mm-hmm. for Frisco Liberty that actually played in that state championship game from sure. a year ago. Or down on the raw stretch and say one of them didn't even see the floor, and that was Maya Jane. <laughs> Maya Jane hit a huge three in I believe it was double overtime mm-hmm. to win the game. She's one of their top players, one of their top shooters, one of her you know go to scorers now, and she didn't even see the floor in the state championship game last year. And obviously Jazzy Owens Barnett was their sixth man, and now she's a potential you know state tournament MVP candidate if they can win the, the state title. It, it's just been a, a wonderful job that you know Coach Reed and that coaching staff. And his assistant coaches are all new too. That's another thing, man. It's it's wild Mm -hmm. that they that they've reloaded so fast. It's just that that culture and tradition at Frisco Liberty, you know, that's unlike any other, at least in in the Frisco ISD district.
1: Um, you know, we talk about rankings kind of being all all over the place. You look at what is um what's happening over in 4A and how the uh, how the landscape looks there. So, um, you have Argyle, who's um who's no stranger to this uh, this juncture of the postseason. Obviously, Argyle, in pursuit of a sixth consecutive state championship, they entered the postseason ranked number five. So a little bit of a different standing than usual. Doesn't matter. They knocked off uh, you know number one ranked Canyon in the regional semifinals, and um, they were um, yeah, and they're back. And look at them. And you look at kind of who else they're they're up against. So the rest of the field. They They're the only team in the top 10 in Class 4A that made the state tournament. Wow. You have number 11, Fairfield. Then you have number 16 Dallas Lincoln. That's who Argyle played last year in the state semifinals, in the game that went right down to the wire. It was a very, very close contest. Um, and then you have number 19 Fredericksburg. So a very, very, the field is all over the place. So again, whether that means like it's just a, a coronation for Argyle, or again if these rankings might be a tad deceiving, we shall see. But um, basically, all you need to know about Argyle's current postseason run is that Riley McKinney is playing out of her mind. Um, just some of the numbers that she is putting up are just absurd. I mean, you look at, I mean, she had, you know, 33 points against the number one-ranked team in the state. And then you look at their, uh, their regional final against Bridgeport. She scored their first 26 points of the ballgame. game. Whoa. <laughs> Let's call ball in. It was Riley McKinney 26, Bridgeport, whatever. And, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, but she, again, this is the, you know. This, mm-hmm. Going into the season, wasn't she, she their second best player? Because they're, didn't their best player turn her ACL? Sydney Stanifer tore ACL and whatnot during the regular season. For the second straight year, this, yeah. is gonna, this has happened to her, which is awful, awful stuff. You know, you never like right. to see that for anybody. One season, let alone two straight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, McKinney, you know, when, when Stanifer went down last year is kind of when McKinney she kind elevated of elevated herself him, yeah. into being one. Of the better players in the entire state. And I mean, yeah, she's playing about as well as she ever has leading up to this point. And that's just disastrous news for every other team in 4A left standing right now. Of note, um, Argyle, as you mentioned, you know, they're going for their six consecutive state championships. So that means you've won several uh, several postseason games in a row along the way. What would you guys uh, hedge to guess the uh, the winning streak in the postseason for Argyle is at right now? So that's six. They're going for their sixth straight. That's what? I, right. I, I say it's the four. A, Forty six. My math is not good. I would say thirty eight. Uh Brian's closer. It's forty. Okay. Forty straight wins though in the playoffs. And like I said, the last time this team lost a playoff game was at the state tournament and whatnot back in I believe two thousand thirteen. Um so yeah, just um just an absolute just halcyon age for Argyle girls basketball right now. And a team that can't to beating last year is out. Brian mm-hmm. Jefferson. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll see again what it all means. They uh, they get rolling on Friday. That game's is actually going to be right before uh, the McKinney game. McKinney plays at seven o'clock. Argyle plays earlier in the afternoon at uh, at three. But yes, Argyle with a chance to just continue to, to chance to continue making history at the at uh, the state girls basketball tournament. Kendrick is going to be down there. He will be on site covering that stuff for us later on in the week out at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Um, he'll be uh, he'll have all sorts of updates on social media. Where can they follow you at Kendrick? That Kendrick Johnson on Twitter and Instagram. in Case you're versatile like that. Basically, if I'm um, basically if you just spell out the name Kendrick Johnson, except just leave the n off at the end. Kendrick Johnson. So there's already a Kendrick Johnson.
5: Yeah.
1: Same same with mine. I had
3: to add a underscore to mine. There's already a fake Brian Murphy up there. So like, <laughs> I feel <your> thing. <laughs> so you, thing. So your name's more common than mine, and stuff. Well,
4: uh, Is it
1: the with, with the with the y? So, yeah, there's a ton of Brian Murphy. <laughs> okay,
5: he's like got the investigation.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, follow along, Kendrick. He will be out there at, uh, at the State Girls Basketball Tournament later this week, having you all covered with Argyle, Frisco, Liberty, and McKinney. At three teams. For the second straight year, Star Local Media has three teams in the State Girls Basketball Tournament. Not sure who, who we're going to have anybody on the boys' side, but um, at least we're uh, we're making up for it right now with a pretty festive turnout at the uh, at the girls' tournament. So, yes, that is, um, that is a look at what is in the story later this week out in San Antonio, and that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Until next time, folks, enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you all later.